Welcome to the Green Renine Publishing Podcast. Since the year 2000, Green Renine has been at the forefront of the hobby game industry. This podcast brings that world to life with news, interviews, and opinions direct from the Emerald City. Join us as we talk about role-playing games, card games, conventions, game design, and all things Green Ronin. Hello and welcome to the first 2009 edition of the Green Ronin Podcast. This is Chris Premis, and I am joined today with my fellow Ronins, Nicole Lindrus and Evan Sass. Say hello. 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 Uh, so it has been a while since we have done a podcast. A little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided we needed to get 2009 rolling in the right way by getting back to a more regular podcasting schedule. So we've gotten together here on what is usually our game night, but uh, we are not gaming tonight. So uh, we can record this lovely podcast for you all. Since it's been a while since we've done a podcast, we thought we'd start by giving some general Green Renine news. Um, for example, uh, there have been some staff changes since last year uh, that we've talked a little bit about on our website but haven't gone into much detail about. So uh, Rob Schwab, who was a longtime developer here at Green Renine, he did a lot of our D20 books. He designed our upcoming Song of Ice and Fire game. We love you, Rob. Yes, Rob. We still love you. Um, so he uh, left the company to take a uh, full-time contract gig with the Wizards of the Coast, and he's been cranking away on uh, D&D 4th Edition books and articles for almost a year now, I think. Um, so if you're playing 4th Edition, you've probably seen his name on a bunch of things already, and uh, that's what he's going to be doing for the next while anyway. So, you know, we wish Rob the best. And... They couldn't have scooped away a better guy. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Rob knows him some D&D, and uh, he's, you know, uh, he does the work of five writers, really. So they're, they're getting a good deal out yeah. of him. Yeah, our loss is definitely Wizards game. Yes, indeed. Um, so we were sad to see Rob go, um, but, you know, we understand... Uh, uh, the pull. Yes, the pull. <laughs> so good luck, Rob. Yeah. Um, so uh, also, um, we hired a new developer for Mutants and Masterminds, and uh, this does not mean that Steve Kenson has left the company, but Steve decided after several years of doing a lot of development work that what he really wanted to do was get back to doing design work. Um, and, you know, who can blame him? Because it's more fun work. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And that's where his skills lie, too. I mean, we kind of wrapped him up in a bunch of administrative stuff, which he handled like a champ, but it it deprived us uh, from reaping some of the benefits of his design work. It's good to have him back doing design. So design equals writing and development equals management. Kind of. Sort of. Well, development, um, it is making sure that, um, that books are consistent, that the game system material is all correct, um, generally keeping projects on track. So, you know, books that Steve or, or other people at Greening developed, it's the developer is sort of the, the person who keeps the project going and who makes sure 
that's all the the written content is um, good and uh, and up to snuff. Which sometimes can mean dealing with a bunch of freelance writers or editors mm-hmm. or uh, map makers or whoever who need a strong hand or who fail to bring to the table what we wanted and then it's on the developer's shoulders to wrangle all of that which mm-hmm. is probably the least attractive part of the job <laughs> for right. pretty much everybody. It's, it's the developer's job to get the best out of all the people on the project. Um, and sometimes it's it, it's an easy job because you know people are on the same wavelength. But sometimes it's a difficult job that requires, in some cases, rewriting or adding extra material or what have you. And um, unless you have a guy who's doing the work of five writers, <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes it can be hard to fill in. Exactly. Uh, so Steve is uh, is back doing design work full time for us. Um, he has started work on a on a big new Mutants and Masterminds book called the Supervillains Handbook um, that's scheduled for a late summer release. And uh, I think it's that book is just going to be really fun because it's you know, it's going to be all about supervillains and you know how to use them in your campaign and you know their tricks and uh, background and whatnot. It's just basically a chance for Steve to go nuts. I was going to say, show his evil side. (laughs) Evil Steve. So playing supervillains? I do believe there's going to be uh, a section on playing supervillains. So people who've been waiting to enact their insane plans for global (laughs) domination. um, I think that could happen. Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah. So I think he's having fun with that. Um, But now, as the developer, uh, we've hired uh, John Lighthouser. Um, John has worked on a bunch of M&M books as a, an editor and a writer. Uh, actually, John edited the latest edition of Mutants and Masterminds, so he knows the rules very Certainly. well. Um, he also co-wrote the Iron Age source book. Um, and uh, basically, he's you know big fan of the game, big fan of comics. Um, he worked at, uh, at WizKids for a long time, um, worked on Heroclix, um, He's been around the industry for a decade or more, so he's a good uh, good veteran guy, really loves the game, so I think he's uh, going to be a good fit for replacing Steve as developer. I agree. Me too. Welcome <laughs> aboard, John. That's right. Welcome aboard, John. I, I think it's Light Hoiser. Well, you know, it might be, but I've heard John himself say Light Hauser, so... Interesting, because we'll I ha- asked him specifically. Uh-huh. As a Lindrews, mm-hmm. uh, I um, I try to be aware of these uh, these crazy, wacky European pronunciations and, uh, and get so them right. I also I always see Leuthauser in my head when I read his name. So well, that's just wrong. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Well, Why can't they all be named things like Sass? Sass. See? <laughs> Schwab. Uh-huh. Kenson. Easy. They can't all, though. No. Mm-hmm. no. Clearly not. Some of us have to be Lindrews. <laughs> well, what we should do is have John on the next show, and then John can tell us himself the correct way to pronounce his name. You see, John, what happens when you have other plans when mm-hmm. we decide to record a podcast? Mm-hmm. It's not like he wasn't invited. He could have cleared this up. <laughs> it's the big controversy. <laughs> so we'll get John on here next time, and uh, he can 
tell us more about himself and his background. <laughs> Clarify the pronunciation of his name? Yes, the important things. Well, yes. regardless, uh, his position at the company won't change. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we've also done something new uh, by using some freelance developers. Uh, for the longest time, it was all the development was done by staff people. Um, we decided for some of the lines uh, to get some freelancers to take that on uh, and sort of break up that work amongst several different people. Uh, so for uh, True 20, we have Erica Balsley. Um, she is developing the new True 20 Freeport adventures we have coming out this year. Um, and she's a big True 20 fan, has done... Uh, well, and again, yeah, somebody who's worked with us in a different capacity for a long time. Yeah, indeed. Has edited a bunch of True 20 things, really, again, knows and loves the system. Active um, on the forums. Yeah. Also. Yeah. True 20 chick, I believe. Yeah, that's yep. correct. Did I out her? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she uh, she's working right now on the, the first of those new Freeport adventures, which is called uh, The Lost Island. So shout out to Erica. Mm-hmm. Hey, Erica. Um, then on the Song of Ice and Fire front, uh, since Rob moved on and uh, wasn't able to keep developing the game that he designed, uh, we're also going to be using a freelance developer on that, uh, and that is Jim Kiley. Uh, Jim is another longtime freelancer who's done a lot of work for White Wolf over the years. So uh, we've got completed manuscripts for all the books up through the Ice and Fire campaign guide, so Jim is going to be starting with new books uh, that are coming out after that. Uh, so he's currently engaged in uh, recruiting a bunch of freelancers um, for the next several books, um, the topics of which have been approved by George Martin already as well. So that's, uh, that's go, go, going. Um, and I guess as long as we're talking about Ice and Fire, we, we might as well mention um, that that has been approved. And uh, as we record this, it is printing up in Canada. Um, and it should be coming out in early March. The flying spaghetti monster has touched it with his noodly appendage. I don't know what that means, Nicole, but <laughs> I hope it's good. <laughs> Hal and I are the pastafarians uh-huh. in the company. It's good. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. Flying spaghetti monster's got it all under control. He's got our back. <laughs> right. Well, that's good to know because winter is coming. I've heard. <laughs> and I guess in the winter you want a hearty spaghetti meal. See, that's going to they go together going. like mm-hmm. peanut butter and honey. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there was a recall on peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> something else, bread and butter. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the case of uh, ice and fire, it goes together like mud and steel. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at last, our, that game's going to come out. We're very excited about it. Um, we're following that up with a, uh, a narrator's kit that has uh, one of those hardback GM screens like we've done for both Mutants and Masterminds and True 20 that are really cool. And then that's going to be coupled with a poster map of Westeros and a 16-page introductory adventure by Mr. Steve Kenson as part of his design duties. Yay for the writing of Steve Kenson. Indeed. <laughs> Um, so uh, that should be coming out hopefully about a month after the game. Um, and then there's more leading up to the, uh, the campaign guide, which comes out this summer. Um, and that's just like the huge book of Westeros that's, you know, basically presents the campaign setting, has tons of info on the, the background and the kingdoms and the personalities and, and so on. And uh, it's just a tremendously useful book if you're fans of the game. Or, no. sorry, fans of the universe. 
Well, of course they're fans of the game, Chris. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now that is, um, we're setting the game officially before Robert Baratheon. No, during his reign. During his reign. Yeah. Before so, the events of Game of Thrones. But but he's the dude in charge. He is the king, right? And um, how does that affect the campaign setting content? Uh, so the campaign setting content is sort of written more or less. It's I think ten years before the events of the books. Um, so you know all the the background and history stuff, um, of course, is would be the same. Um, but it doesn't get into the actual events of the books, which we may cover later. Um, we we haven't set it in stone, but we've talked about doing books that would correspond to the novels that would run through the events. So, you know, here's the Game of Thrones book, which goes through what happens in the book and then provides a bunch of opportunities where your player characters can interact with those events in different ways. Um, so... Uh, so the camp campaign setting is really a big book of kind of preparing for the events of the books, if that's the direction you want to go. Right. Or, you know, you can make it all about your characters and, and do what you And do. who wouldn't want to be the characters? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, what we were trying to do is provide a stable starting point for people and not, you know, sort of start the RPG, you know, in the middle of things. Um, and so then people can develop the campaign how they want. So if you want to run a campaign that's set in some specific era of the books, you know, go crazy. If you want to set it in the past, you know, during the Wars of the Nine Penny Kings or something like that, you can do that. Um, because, you know, it's the beauty of the role-playing game is that no one's ever going to come to your house and tell you that you're doing it wrong. So. <laughs> they just do that on the internet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you can turn that off. So what? Okay. <laughs> the internet is never off here. Well, not you, because you're the webmaster. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll leave it on. Yeah. I was just, uh, uh, I thought it was worth uh, discussing because uh, uh, that's not always been the approach of um, license games. You know, a lot of times it's in the middle of whatever's going on in the license or you are automatically second fiddle. Like, right. you're not Luke Skywalker, and you're never going to be. Mm -hmm. And you might be some other guy who can do some stuff, but you're never going to be involved in what's, right. you know, what you know of the story. Right. Well, that's one of the challenges with licensed properties, just generally speaking. Don't the I know it. Yeah. <laughs> the old Middle Earth game was set, you know, like, hundreds of years before the War of the Ring. So, you know, it was, you know, none of the characters you knew except Gandalf and Saruman and Sauron, I guess, were... Oh, know, only right. them. Well, all right, and then Nazgul. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> There's only one Indiana Jones, is what you're saying. Yes, that is what I'm saying, and one Doctor Who. Right. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's a big challenge. It is. Uh, I guess, you know, getting into the nitty-gritty of uh, the... Song of Ice and Fire isn't what this was about. I'm sorry. I've derailed us. Is it about Doctor Who? <laughs> uh, well, interestingly enough, there is a new Doctor Who game in the works. Uh, Cubicle 7 got the, the rights to that, mm -hmm. and they are putting together a new game right now. Go, so, Angus. Yeah. Shout out to Angus. Um, so uh, it'll actually be quite interesting to see what their approach is. Um, this will be the third Doctor Who game. There was a FASA one called Doctor Who, and then there was another one that I think Virgin did called Time Lord. 
uh, and now there's going to be this new one. So we'll, we'll see how it stacks up. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a challenge, but uh, those guys are really creative, and I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see what they how they handle the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked a little bit with them when they were pitching the license, and they, you know, they had a really good pitch, so. Now well, hurry wait. up, Angus. Yeah, that's Let's right. Go. <laughs> I'm going to see you in April, Angus. I want to see some results. i got a 13-year-old <laughs> Doctor Who fan in this house who needs role-playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Um, in in other Green Ronin news, uh, turning back to some masterminds. Oh, right, Green Ronin. Right. The Green Ronin podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's not the Cubicle 7 podcast. <laughs> um, if I may turn our attention back to Mutants and Masterminds. Uh, we uh, are getting in the latest printing of the core book uh, in a week or two. This is the fifth printing, so it's... Uh, fifth printing of second edition. Correct. That's correct. Um, as always happens with Mutants and Masterminds, it goes out of print at an inopportune moment. Uh, so <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like it knows. It kind of does. It's like, oh, is, are the holidays coming up? I'm going to go out of print now. <laughs> Try to buy me now. <laughs> Um, so that is, uh, we'll be back in print, uh, you know, maybe a week or two after this goes live. So, uh, hooray for that. Yay. Um, Ultimate Power is still out of print, um, because we haven't been able to, uh, to sort of marshal the resources to do that at the same time as doing other big projects like A Song of Ice and Fire and reprinting the Mutants of Masterminds core book. Um, so it's in the queue. Uh, we just have to find the opportune moment, uh, to get that going again. Um, one of the things we had considered doing was uh, offering it through Lulu, which is a print-on-demand service, uh, in doing like a kind of a black-and-white softback version um, just for the sake of expediency for people who just needed to have it right now uh, until we can do a proper uh, full-color hardback print run of it. Um, so uh, if that sounds appealing, you could talk about it on the Atomic Think Tank and let us know. Our other recent Mutants and Masterminds release is Freedom's Most Wanted. Uh, it's the first villains collection that we've done in some time. So even if you don't like Freedom City per se, it's still a book full of cool villains. Uh, and very handy for almost any Mutants and Masterminds campaign. So, Excellent. <laughs> yes. Who doesn't like villains? I can't think of any sane person. H- heroes? <laughs> oh, oh, well, I guess they're sane. They just have the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that came out a few weeks ago. It should be in your friendly local game store. Um, if it is not, of course, the Greenery Online store is ready to receive your order. Am yes, I right? It is. Yay. <laughs> yeah. It's anticipating your order. Uh, the next Mutants Mastermind source book, or actually it's an adventure collection, um, is All In, which is the follow-up to the Wild Cards campaign setting. Uh, just today, John Miller sent me the approvals for that. So, thank you, John. Yes, thank you, John. Um, that is going to be released as a PDF very soon, and then uh, we'll be sending it to print shortly as well. And so that is a collection of four adventures, um, and they involve some of the, the famous Wild Cards characters like Modular Man um, and Dr. Tachyon. And so uh, if you liked the wild cards campaign setting this is some some material you can just plug in and and go with right away 
Uh, also could be used for other campaigns, um, particularly Paragons. Uh, mm -hmm. Paragons and wild cards, uh, you know, they, they overlap in a certain feeling. So material from one is quite usable with the other. It's like a parallel universe. Ooh, it could be a parallel universe. Yeah. Um, so that's good. And then uh, later on this year, we're doing a third Wild Cards book, uh, which is called Aces and Jokers. And that's going to be another uh, book of characters, uh, you know, heroes and villains from the series. Uh, all the ones that we didn't uh, cover in the big campaign setting book. Um, but not the characters from the new Wild Cards novels that have been coming out. Uh, those uh, we hope to cover next year in a yet different book. Uh, that may talk about the events and so on that have been happening um, in in the newer books, which are quite good. So if you haven't checked those out, I, I recommend. Uh, so other breaking news in uh, Green Renine land is uh, we've updated our website and web store. Um, yes, now not broken. Yes. <laughs> Maybe Evan, our webmaster, would like to tell us about that. Hmm. I could do that. So... Um... Oh, when was that? January? January 1st. First January. week of January. First week of January, the web store decided to um, break. The module in there that delivers our PDFs um, upgraded itself inexplicably and um, broke the... It was like Y2K, except it was. like nine yeah. years late. Yeah. Except something actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> <True>. Well... <laughs> yes. Um, and so we, we uh, decided at that point to just put the whole store offline and um, upgrade, which we had been planning on doing. Sure, we've been talking about yeah. it over the course of the year, and we yeah. had some plans in place. Not quite ready to enact, but right. so, some uh, concepts in place. <laughs> yeah. So we're in the new uh, version of the store software, and we have a new PDF delivery module up. It also turned out that we had a, some trouble with that. Um, so if, in fact, you uh, bought a PDF in January uh, up through a day or two ago. Valentine's Day. Sure. Really, I, if you, you know, bought a PDF and you downloaded it and can't unzip it, um, we're very sorry. Uh, we weren't aware of that at first. It kind of crept up on us. Uh, people weren't... Um, I wasn't really getting the all yeah they the weren't they weren't sending in so. the uh, contact mm -hmm. info the way it used to be sent in right. that all changed maybe the as well. forms not working or yeah I don't know so however it turned out uh, some people were unable to open their PDFs uh, probably actually probably everybody uh, who bought one in January or February. Uh, until the, PDFs, the 10th. Yes, yes. The PDFs are now working. Mm -hmm. If you bought one in January or February and were unable to unzip it, just go to greenrunning.com slash store, um, log in. There's a login link right on the top of the page. Um, then click on the account tab. If you scroll down, any of those PDFs that you bought in the new store system, there, there are links there on your account page, and they actually work now so you can re-download those files unzip them and then open the pdf that's inside of that zip file and uh take You'll it from there yeah. yeah so this is actually a nice new feature of the web store it's true that we had wanted to put in place uh, 
just had kind of a bumpy start getting it off the ground. <laughs> yes. But it's all been fixed now. That's really good. So yeah. that, what you were just describing, doesn't work, though, for PDFs bought previously. Right. But those, but those, those should... links are still good. So, uh, and I can still look them up if, if you lost your link or whatever, but please try and back up your I was going to say, PDFs. this is a good time yes. to remind people <laughs> to back up their PDFs, yes, put them on do. CDs, put them on zip drives, put, put yeah. them on something, floppy disk. Drive. There you go. <laughs> floppy disk. All right, Grandma. <laughs> Real to real. Whatever, whatever it takes, people. Yes, back, back those things back up. Back those up, please. So the other uh, uh, nice news about our online store is that uh, we are going to start fulfilling the mail orders from our warehouse instead of here in Seattle, um, which means that there'll be people filling those orders on a much more uh, regular basis than we were able to do here with our limited staff. And limited um, stock. And limited stock. Yes, it's true. It's going to be pulled now from the warehouse where all the stock is. So there shouldn't ever be a delay in trying to have stuff transferred out to the West Coast. Um, there's dedicated staff who actually ship things every single day at the warehouse. <laughs> yeah. Unlike uh, the people who were... The people. The me who was <laughs> trying to squeeze in mail orders amid uh, other things. Mm-hmm. Yes. All those other daily running the business uh, to keep it solvent kind of things. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, so, you know, people who in the past, you know, may have waited longer than they should have for orders. Moving ahead now, you should get your orders much faster, which is very exciting. Yes. It is. Very like exciting. like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In other news, we have uh, recently released our first and likely only support product for D&D 4th Edition. Uh, if you've been following things with D&D 4th Edition and, and third-party supports, you probably know by now that uh, we decided not to uh, support the current game system license because we <clears throat> basically did not care for the restrictions that it was going to place on us. So we decided to forego... Weren't they going to update the GSL? I heard a rumor about that somewhere sometime. yeah. Well, when it happens, we'll look at it. Right. Until it happens, I'm not going to worry about it. But yeah, it was supposed to be updated after Gen Con, and then before Christmas, and then after Christmas, and now it's almost Valentine's Day. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Whenever it's done, we'll look at it. Uh, but in the time being, we got plenty of other things going on. Um, but because the, uh, the D20 system character record folio that we did for D&D &D 3 and 3.5 was, you know, such a great product for us, and, you know, that thing just sold you know we got and, such good feedback yeah. on it people really loved it yeah well, it was really handy so we decided if nothing else you know we should update that for fourth edition um and so we have done so um and that just came out like what last week yeah but yeah. already we've gotten some good retailer feedback from mm -hmm. retailers who've seen it in the store and mm -hmm. thought it was uh, really good yeah so if you've seen the old folio you know the basic idea is similar it's a 16 page uh, character record sheet that's designed for a campaign play and um, it's got all the sorts of things you'd expect from a regular character sheet but then some nice features like an advancement tracker you know so you can write down sort of what things you gained at each level and you can plan out you know how you might want to advance your character and, and that sort of thing and then there's the famous stats of legend page where you can record things you know like the so when I'm level drained, I know exactly where I go back to, right? I 
think fourth edition has level thing. <laughs> but yes, originally that was that was one of the ideas. Um, the other no level draining. What kind of a game is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, hmm. that sounds awesome to me. I hate level draining. <laughs> Good point. It was a real love hate thing. Level draining. Some people felt it was, you know, part of the challenges to be overcome, and other people thought it was a cheap way to take away your hundreds of thousands of experience points at high level. So. <laughs> I can't imagine why they would feel that way. I don't know. I've got to kill a lot of orcs to get that experience <laughs> points back, though. Well, I just outed myself as someone who's not been paying attention to 4th edition, haven't I? Okay. It's okay. We've got lots of things going on here. Indeed. Um, so, if I may, just talk about the most awesome feature mm-hmm. of the fourth edition. I know what it is. Yeah, character record for you. Um, unlike the previous editions, this one uh, has interior pockets, um, and so uh, it just allows you to easily store handouts and notes and all the stuff, the, the detritus that kind of accumulates over a campaign. Uh, oh, right come on. Surely you you've got initiative cards? <laughs> you might. You might have initiative cards. You could have power cards, what have you. Although, the folio does have little power forms where you can write down what all your powers do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Features, man. Features. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. If you are playing and enjoying 4th edition, check out the folio. It's pretty sweet. Um, and if you're not, you can still buy our old folio. Convenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, that's about it for our uh, our new releases. Um, I thought before we go, we would talk about just a couple other things happening in 2009. Um, first of all, I want to talk about uh, family games, the 100 best. Uh, you may remember that we did a book called Hobby Games, 100 best. Um, and that was a collection of, of essays by people from the game industry um, each one writing about a game they thought was great that they themselves were not involved in. And we just had this amazing cast of designers, you know, going back to the war games era in the early days of role playing up to the current day, talking about games from, you know, the whole history of the hobby. And I just, I love that book to pieces. I know. Mm-hmm. It was such an honor to be able to publish some of the last stuff from Gary Gygax Indeed. and from. Eric Wujic. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it meant... Eric didn't write for the book. Yeah, he did. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Dude. I stand corrected. Come on. Yeah. Well, I know that because I wrote the uh, the Amber Diceless role-playing essay, mm-hmm. and I was so happy to be able to do that. Uh, and, and by this time, Eric had been out of the industry for a while and been working in computer games. He'd mm-hmm. been living in China, and... You know, the idea that we'd be able to wrangle him back to do anything for this book was, was you know, it seemed far-fetched to me. But Jim Lauder did an amazing job collecting people and, yeah. and you know, enticing them. And, and he got into contact with Eric, who, who wrote, uh, wrote an essay. So not only did I get to, like, cover his game for the book, but then he covered something else for my book. And I just, I don't know. I, yeah. It was important to me. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the favorite books of mine that we've ever published. So so this is why that we're going to do a sequel. Um, and uh, it's Mike Selinker, actually, who suggested the idea that we might want to do a follow-up volume um, talking about family games instead. And so uh, it's a similar format. It's going to be 100 essays. 
about half of the authors are returning from Hobby Games, the 100 best, and then the rest of them are new. Um, we actually had a lot more interest. I mean, we wanted to get new voices into this particular one. And, and again, Jim was just a champion at finding the right people for the book. But it it also involved some hard choices about who to invite back and or, you know, who we had to make some cuts to get new people in on this new project. And so it's uh, it's definitely nothing personal against anybody who's not reappearing in the book. No, no. Wanted to throw that out there right away. <laughs> well, and some people just were too busy. Or, Absolutely, you know. yeah. I mean, there were all sorts of things that went on. But we yeah. we had a lot of interest from people who wrote in the first book who definitely wanted to come back. And yeah. Well, the first book was like the proof of concept. You know, when we were recruiting people for that, you know, it was just an idea. And now that that one came out and, you know, it won an Origins Award and any award and, you know, um, people have seen how cool it is. There are a lot of people then who check that out who said, oh, I'd love to be involved in a follow-up to this. So so Family Games it is. So this yeah. is going to be, you know, uh, something that you could give to any relative, you know, who enjoys games and they will learn about all sorts of interesting family games, both current and, uh, and from the past. And uh, not not as hobby focused as that's hobby games, obviously. Now, um, I'm going to ask you to remind me what were we going to have an index in the back about games that were in hobby games that also uh, not an index, but there's like a, a sidebar or something. There there are certain games in hobby games that would also have easily found a home in the family games book but we didn't want to sort of double up right so basically we're just going to mention hey these are also great games that okay. were covered in hobby games and rather than repeat or you know cover the same thing we can cover different games we're just going to mention them here and say you should go get hobby games because it's awesome so really there's more than a hundred family games listed in there sure um, I couldn't remember exactly how it was going to happen. I knew there was going to be some reference because in, in my specific case, um, I think Button Man is an awesome family game. Uh-huh. My family who played Farkle, mm-hmm. for example, dice games and card games as a, as a family where grandma and grandpa and great uncle Leonard and everybody were, were involved uh, down to the little kindergarten kids. There, it's uh, like Button Man is not that far off. It plays with, you know, different shapes of dice, but it's still a dice game. Yeah. What was that game we played with your grandma where she was all like, oh, I couldn't possibly, and then she was a total shark. <laughs> <laughs> right. What was that? Uh, oh, we were playing Walk the Plank with Grandma. Oh, walk the plank. <laughs> one of one of our own games That's designed right. by Evan Sass and Brian Hess. Yes, my my mom is a is a Walk the Plank shark. Yeah. yeah. So I knew I knew my grandma would love this game. She plays games, trick taking games and card games, and she's the one who taught me all this stuff when mm-hmm. I was a kid. So I was like, Grandma, you've got to see this game that we do, and so. 
she was all, you know, oh, I just, I don't know if I could play this, you know, I don't know if I'm doing it right. And then she would like whip out a trump card and just kick our asses yeah. and smile <laughs> sweetly and be like, oh, is that the right thing to do? She knew. She knew. Oops, did I win? Yeah. 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 Oops, did I win? Total shark. Should we my play grandma. for money? Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Let me get you some cookies. No one play for money. Yeah. Yes, that was Walk the Plank. It was Walk the Plank. I played with my brother and my grandma and, uh, you know, at a, like a family reunion. They were all like, how do I get a copy of this game? <laughs> that is one of the nice things about Walk the Plank is that, you know, I could take it home and, and play with my family where I wouldn't say, hey, mom and dad, how about some Warhammer fantasy role play? <laughs> <laughs> it's a grim world of perilous adventure. Come on. Who wants to be a troll slayer? <laughs> Not so much. No. Yeah. I want to be a naked dwarf with a mohawk. Yeah, your mom, totally into that. I can see it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she might want to be an elf. You never know. <laughs> Secretly. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, I mean, that's, I, that's why I wanted to publish Walk the Plank in the first place, because I knew it was, um, it was ripe for that kind of family game stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've kind of made a decision that it's, it's uh, it's the decent thing to do to recuse our own games from these books. Right. So yeah. yeah. So you're not going to mm-hmm. see Family Games 100 covering Walk the Plank. Right. Unfortunately, in my opinion, I think it's a great game. Well, biased though I may be. You may be. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, my grandma loves the game. Well, I mean, we when we were doing hobby games, several it's exactly the several same. people were like, "I want to write about mutants and masterminds," and we're like, "Well, thanks, but yeah, uh, you yeah. know, yeah. we we need to appear a little more impartial." Yeah, so, yeah. it's the easiest way to do it. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'm sorry, Ev. Well, this is our official right. on-air apology that your excellent family game won't get its coverage. Well, I know your grandma likes it, so. but mm-hmm. isn't that That's reward enough. enough? That is. <laughs> Plus, if people to... buy it. Hi, grandma. <laughs> You'll have to live with the accolades and riches that Walk the Plank has yes. acquired for you. The mini... <laughs> Wait, what? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed. Uh, well, I think at this point we're going to wrap up this podcast. Seems wise. Mm-hmm. We will be recording these on a more regular basis in 2009 and talking about lots of stuff coming up. Uh, one of the things I hope to talk about on the next podcast is uh, a game we have coming up uh, we've signed a deal to do another licensed game, uh, and I have been hard at work designing that for the past several months, and we are coordinating uh, with the people we licensed it from and are hoping to have uh, an announcement soon, and then we can discuss that and how cool it's going to be and what it means for Green Rooney. I encourage rampant speculation on the forums. <laughs> Let's see if anybody can guess. I would be very surprised if anyone guessed, but please, give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks a lot for listening, and we will catch up to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This podcast is copyright 2009, Green Renine Publishing, music by Bombscare, courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.